Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today is part two of our conversation with Lisa McCubbin. She is a four-time best-selling author. She discusses writing about Betty Ford, Clint Hill, and her relationship with their good friend, Mike Rowe. Hope you enjoy this episode of Tell Us a Good Story. For listeners, let's give them uh, kind of an overview of, of Clint Hill, okay? Yeah. So, and this is this is how we learned about you, Lisa, believe it or not. So, Steph's mom forwarded me something on Clint Hill, mm-hmm. I don't know, a month ago. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's exactly right. And the post was amazing about him being at a bar and the guy beside of him just gave him a business card. Gave the bartender. The bartender a business card. Mm-hmm. And on that business card, it said how to make his drink called the Clint. And then Mike Rowe started asking Clint Hill about himself and comes to find out he worked in Secret Service protecting five presidents. Mm-hmm. So Clint Hill, just as an over. And so when, when I saw that, Lisa, I immediately looked him up led me to you realized okay you have written three memoirs with him along with two two other books and so again fascinated by his background fascinated by your background mm-hmm. and so clint hill will be remembered right as the courageous secret service agent who leaps leapt onto the back of that limousine in the midst of the assassina- assassination of president jfk mm-hmm. and that was november 22nd 1963 he was in the Secret Service, I believe, 17 years, served for Eisenhower, Johnson, Nixon, JFK, who am I missing here? Ford. Ford. And Gerald Ford. And then when he retired in 1976? 75. 75. Okay, I was close. <laughs> um, he had you know post-traumatic stress disorder, was a recluse. And what I'd read was, yeah, he didn't talk about this. For years until he had he had met you. Until Lisa came around. And so, <laughs> right. And then like this morning, I, because I haven't seen it in a while, I just YouTubed the assassination, right? With the limousine. And it was pretty shocking to look at it again. Because I haven't seen it since probably I was in high school, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you see Clint Hill, after the shots are fired, he runs to the back of that limousine and it looks like he puts his feet in the bumper or something and just is standing like as tall as he can as a shield, as a shield mm-hmm. over Jackie Kennedy and the president. And it was as if, if there's another bullet that's coming, it's hitting him instead of Jacqueline Kennedy. And, and, and is, exactly. is that correct? Yes. Unbelievable. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, what we, you know, we do presentations about this together. And when he tells that story, um, it's just so compelling to hear it from his voice. He kind of almost goes into a trance and relives it. Um, and it gets me every time. But so after the first shot, he actually um, was standing on the running board behind the president's car and he heard this explosive noise over his right shoulder. So as he turned to look towards that noise, his gaze went across the president's car and he saw the president grab at his throat. So after the first shot, he realized, okay, that was a gunshot. He jumped and started to run 
he didn't hear the second shot because there were motorcycles right next to him. Oh, right. And then he got to the car right as the third shot, the fatal shot, hit the president in the head. Blood, brain matter, bone fragments all over him. He slips, grabs onto the car. You can see it in the in. Um, there's a film called the Nicks film, N-I-X, and it's just incredible to see this whole thing and unfolding. And then yes, he gets up on the back of the car with the intent of forming a shield because he doesn't know there's only three shots. There were only three oh, shots, right? And he fully expects more shots are coming. And um, but and he has lived with the guilt of not being able to get there before that third shot. Um, and so, you know, people view him as a hero. He has never viewed himself as a hero. So, and that's just one of the other amazing things about him, his humility. Um, but yeah. So when he, you know, told me all of that and uh, at first he couldn't get, get through talking about it without breaking down, but as he talked about it more, as we wrote the books, I convinced him to write a book about his time with Jackie Kennedy, which is called Mrs. Kennedy and Me. And that came out in um, 2012. Uh, 12. 12, 2012. And um, that was really therapeutic because he was able to remember the good times. I mean, they had some really good fun times too. And uh, so along with the sad times, uh, you know, he wanted to be, he wanted to remember all those good things as well. So when I was looking at the books you've written, right, I, my initial thought was, how did she, how did Lisa write three books on the same guy, right? Mm-hmm. And these books are long. These are like historical books. Like the, the one book is 448 pages, I think, right, with, with Clint Hill. And so, but each one is a very specific topic. And again, I keep using the words fascinating, but I don't know other, any other word to use. So the one you just mentioned, right? Mrs. Kennedy and, and me. It's a memoir of the four years he spent with Jacqueline Kennedy. Mm-hmm. The second book you you had written with him was Five Days in November, which is a factual account of the November 22nd assassination mm-hmm. and the days leading up to and including the funeral. Mm-hmm. Then the third book that you had written with him is Five Presidents, My Extraordinary Journey with Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, and Ford that covered his time in the secret service from 1958 to 1975 and all three books became New York times bestsellers. That is, yeah, that's amazing. Well, you're amazing. It kind of unfolded organically because, you know, first it was just going to be, we were just going to write the one book. Um, well, first he said he would never write a book. Right. So his contribution to my first book, the Kennedy detail, that was going to be it. And then, um, you know, we, realized, you know, there was more to this story. And so he agreed to write Mrs. Kennedy and me. And then um, 2013 was the 50th anniversary of the assassination. So the publisher came to us and and asked if we would do something just about um, the assassination. And that book is, um, it has 170 photos. It's almost like a coffee table book. And I I hate for people to get it on Kindle or ebook. Oh, right. It doesn't have the same feel. Get the, the Paperback is really nice, nicely done too. Um, color photos, and it just brings the whole thing to life. And it's written in Clint's first-person voice as he's going through it. So you're experiencing it from his perspective, and um, it's it's just really unique in that respect. 
and that one's not very long. <laughs> you could read it. You could read it in a, a few hours, actually. <laughs> um, and so that came out for the 50th anniversary. But then as I had gotten to know Clint more and more and spent so much time with him, I realized, wait, you weren't just that guy that jumped <laughs> on the back of the car. He went on to serve the other right. presidents. You know, he ended up becoming the agent in charge of LBJ. And the stories he would tell me were just hilarious actually and incredible so um and then he went through watergate i mean he was there through all these oh man in history and um and then you know we had another transition of power from nixon to ford that was so unusual right and he was there through all of that so that's how the book five presidents came about is i'm like there's so much more here your life shouldn't be defined just by that one moment because he gave so much to the country um, and continues. He continues to consult with the Secret Service. He has meetings um, every year in December. He's met every president from Truman to Trump. Really? Wow. Yeah. So he's just an amazing guy. And so, yeah, so writing the books, um, you know, I wasn't a history buff either, but he has turned me into a history buff. <laughs> That's amazing. So Secret Service, it's not like with every president, you know, how they have turnover with staff. Secret Service stays the same no matter yeah. what. Right. Isn't that interesting? That is. That is. They, have to, they have to adjust. So like from they had been protecting Obama for eight years and then all of a sudden comes in Trump, you know, just like Clint had been protecting Jackie Kennedy and then he moves to LBJ imagine the difference you know right so it's the secret service that has to adjust to the new style of the new administration do those guys almost become part of the family the secret service because you're around them like almost all day every day i it, back um when it was really small yeah, yeah they absolutely did um but now it's so much bigger you know i told you they had 40 agents when kennedy was president on the president's detail. Now, um, I don't know the exact number on the president's detail, but there's over 4,000 agents in the Secret Service. What? Worldwide. So it was 280 agents worldwide when, you know, uh, Kennedy and Johnson, and now it's over 4,000. So they have a lot more people. Um, now, right around the family, they probably have a core group of agents that they're close to. But um, yeah, they're, they're there for, you know, the, all their private moments. And, um, and the, the protectees have to feel comfortable that the agents are never going to talk. That right. They're, they're worthy of trust and confidence. That's right. your commission book. Um, and so that's why it's so hard to get secret service agents to talk because they, they really won't talk about, um, you know, things that they see. And, um, and I have so much respect for that. So everybody that we've written about, um, uh, has died, but at the same time, we don't reveal anything, um, too personal or things that you know, weren't known to some respect yeah. in the public mm -hmm. eye. Oh my gosh. So the most recent book that you've written is a biography on Betty Ford and it's titled Betty Ford, first lady, women's advocate, survivor, trailblazer. So how'd you end up deciding that you want to write a biography on 
Betty Ford? Well, she found me actually. So I'd okay. Like well, that's um, a good problem. To yeah. Have. <laughs> <laughs> we um, not literally, but figuratively. Um, so we had just finished uh, the book tour for Five Presidents in 2016, and I was burnt out. I'd written uh, four books in six years, I think. And uh, I was going to take a break. And my editor at Simon & Schuster, Mitchell Ivers, called me and said, I have an idea for you. I really think it's time for you to write a book on your own. There has not ever been a comprehensive biography of Betty Ford written. And sh she died in 2011. Okay. And... Um, I was like, what? Betty Ford? You know, I didn't, again, I didn't know anything about her really. Um, and so I mentioned it to Clint and he said, oh, she was amazing. He had known her, of course. Right. And he said, she's an amazing woman. Yes, you need to do this. So, but then I had to start from scratch. I didn't, you know, I had to find people that I could interview. So I ended up contacting her daughter, Susan Ford Bales and went and met with her in Oklahoma and kind of went through the whole process like I did with the agents of gaining her trust and telling her I would tell her mother's story with dignity and respect. Um, and I, you know, by this point learned a lot about her. So Susan Ford Bales really um, helped me a lot with that book to guide me, to get me um, all the information. Wow. So how many months of research then are you doing, Lisa, to put a biography together about someone who's been written about before, right? So you have to do a unique, something unique uh, perspective on her. How, how long does that take to do? Especially actually, when it's like actually, 400 pages. Had, yeah, she hadn't been written about before. So that was the oh, okay. She had herself written two memoirs. Um, so I had those as a basis. But there, this was going to be the first biography, so there okay. were. So I had to get do all my own, you know, uh, research from the ground up. So, um, so what happens is, you know, you get the the you sign the deal with the publisher, and there's a deadline because they wanted the book to come out at a certain time. So I think I started in the summer of 2016. I went to Michigan, spent a lot of time in Michigan where the Fords uh, lived and uh, went to the presidential library. But the presidential library didn't even have stuff about her because it's about the president. So, oh, right. So I had to then go to firsthand sources and find people and just, it was a lot of research. So I probably spent about a year doing just research um, and then I start writing because I feel like I have to know the story so well myself that I can recite it to you. I have to get the whole picture so that I can understand well where the dramatic moments are. Cause there's a flow, even though it's a biography or a memoir, you know, you want the book to have a, an arc to it so that it's compelling to read. And, um, so you, so I have to know that story as well myself like I can tell you where Clint was in um, you know July of 1962 so I know his story so well and so I had to get to know Betty's story that well and um, and then I can start writing and putting it all together and I know where all the pieces are so so it was a, about a um, 18 month to two year process from start to finish gosh do you have let me let me rephrase this 
what's one of the more memorable stories then that. Mm-hmm. that you that you learned talking to Betty Ford's family that you may have included in their book or, or not? Well, I mean, it's probably the, the way the book opens is um, when her family did the intervention, mm. um, you know, to confront her that that she had a problem and uh, with 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 painkillers, um, prescription drugs and alcohol. And that was um, after she had left the White House. So she's no longer First Lady. She was living out in Palm Springs. And so she had written about this in one of her memoirs, but to talk to her children about what it was like to go and confront their mother, knowing they were going to put her through so much pain. Mm. And this was before... Um, really, nobody knew what an intervention was at this point. Remember, there were no Betty Ford centers. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So there was no sort of treatment. What they did for alcoholics was they take you into the hospital and sort of detox, give you a few sessions of therapy, and then send you back on your way. Um, so really, she revolutionized once she went through the you know her own um, recovery, getting sober. And then she realized, wait, there's a lot of other people out there going through what I'm going through. And that's when she um, started the Betty Ford Center, which has saved countless lives. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, really, her legacy is just remarkable, just so remarkable. So that was probably the most compelling story. And that's how I chose to open up the book was... Um, just that trepidation they felt as they're going up to the house to surprise her and change, changed all of their lives forever. It's really the most difficult thing. um, And, and takes such courage for the family to be able to do that as well. Steph, can you imagine being, I guess, a vice president's wife, but then all of a sudden you're thrown into the white house Mm -hmm. and now the spotlight's on you if you have issues or not, right? The yeah. spotlight is on you and the pressure, the stress that comes with that. She's a mom. She's the first lady dealing with addiction issues. That's, um, a, that's, lot. A, fa- that's a lot that's to a deal lot. with. That is and a whole lot so to deal with. The other thing about Betty Ford that a lot of people may not know is six weeks after she became first lady. So yes, she was thrust <clears> into this role. Um, and six weeks later, she's diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, right. Wow. In, um, what is it, 1975 or 74, 1974. And um, she, at that point, people didn't talk about cancer. They, they whispered it or they called it the C word. They, you couldn't say the word breast on television. So breast cancer was one of those things that people just did not talk about it. And so when then she, as now first lady, comes out and tells the world that she has breast cancer, she changed women's health care forever from that day forward. Wow. So she's, an she's a remarkable woman. lady. I mean, I really yes. urge everybody to read the book. I Because I, um, as I said, I felt like she found me to write this book. Um, there's, there's kind of a theme, and I, I refer to it at, at the end of the book, but when I was writing, um, I was living where I live now in the San Francisco Bay area when I was writing this book and I had set up everything on my dining room table, which looks out over the San Francisco Bay. It's really beautiful. 
And there would be so many times when I thought, what am I doing? Who do I think I am that I can write a biography? I've never done this before. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not Doris Kearns Goodwin. And I would look up and I kid you not, there would be a yellow butterfly hovering right in front of me. And this butterfly came and visited me every day. And I started calling it Betty. Wow. And it was whenever, and or if I would go out and take a walk, all of a sudden I'd be walking and there would be one yellow butterfly that would come up and out of nowhere and like circle around me. When I went to, um, I, I went to all of Betty's homes because I felt like I wanted to see where she had lived and feel her presence. When I went to visit their home in um, Palm Desert in California, uh, the people that owned the house allowed me to come in and look around and I walked outside and it's on a beautiful golf course. I walked out and I kid you not, out of the bushes comes a yellow butterfly. Oh my. So I really felt, I just got chills again. I need to, my arms are covered in chills. I felt her presence with me all the time. I felt like whenever I had self-doubt, she was there saying, come on, you can do this. I chose you to do this. You can do it. So um, I know that seems a little, you know, out there, but um, I, I really, that's how I, that's what kept me going was that yellow butterfly. I wow. love that. Before she gave that answer, I was just thinking, Lisa, what a responsibility that must have felt, right? That you are chosen to document her life in a biography. What a responsibility. And yeah, that's, that's a very cool story. Tell us about Mike Rowe. Can I tell you something about that Mike Rowe story? Please. I was in the bar that night when he mentioned, when he met Clint Hill. Does he mention me? No. No, no he, he did not. That's true. <laughs> I wasn't mentioned. I was there. <laughs> And, um, and by the way, those cards that Clint has with his drink, the story behind those cards is, um, so he does have this drink with Campari and vodka and soda that he kind of concocted. And, um, so we'd be out to dinner with, with my kids and they would like roll their eyes when he's telling the server, you know, how to make his drink. Cause then the order. Be like, oh wait, I've got to get a notepad. You know, it's going to be very specific. So a few years ago for Christmas, my oldest son Connor and his wife, Abby designed these little business cards and they gave those to him for a Christmas gift. So it was really selfish on their part <laughs> of having to listen to say it all the time. So he just hands out those cards and, uh, and everybody loves the cards. So, um, but yeah, I was there with Mike Rowe and he never mentioned me. Once. Yeah. You, you weren't, you weren't mentioned. Yeah. Cause I had to look him up to find you. That's funny. Cause I know how annoyed I get when you ask, what kind of salad dressings do you have? And then like, <laughs> Steph, you're going to get ranch dressing, no matter what they rattle off, you're getting the same thing. So with her kids, I could totally see that like, oh, here we go again. Like, right. you, yes, just write it out for him. Give it to him. I totally get that. That's Lisa. a great Christmas present. That is actually. What's, what's he like? Because I actually, I had written his name down one time mm -hmm. as someone to reach out to, to ask for a good story. But what, what's he like? He's exactly how you see him. Is he really? Oh, that's yeah. good. He's exactly. Yeah. And um, he's, you know, usually on all the time. I mean, he's hilarious. He's 
absolutely hilarious. Um, oh my gosh. I threw a surprise party for Clint's birthday, January 4th. And Mike, I saw that. Mike came and, uh, which was really nice and glad he was in town, but, um, yeah, he's just, he's very generous. He's, he's lovely, really lovely. And as we met his parents, they were out here for Christmas and they're just exactly as we <laughs> his mother's, his mother is really funny. So, but, oh, so anyway, then where I was going with this, so that was the part about micro, you could put that in or not, it doesn't matter. But um, he has been wanting Clint and I to do a podcast where oh, okay. we're like, you know, with you, where I would we just be talking about maybe current events and then going back into history. Well, what was it like when you did this? And we just physically don't know how to do it. And Mike okay. is too busy. He actually lives near us and we see him all the time now, but um, we uh, he's too busy to help us. And he's a really big deal. So, you know, we've been, tossing around this idea. So I'm really impressed that you're actually doing it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So you have a producer, right? We do. Mm -hmm. We do. So here's in a nutshell, here's, here's our setup. So kind of like you, this technology stuff is not my background Mm -hmm. at all. And we got nervous to talk to you quite honestly, just because you're a journalist, you have this, you know, a radio talk show background, all that we do not. I'm a CPA. I'm a finance guy. Steph's a nurse, right? But we, we have a unique story about us and what we've gone through over the last 15 years. So Steph was electrocuted. She had a brain tumor. Doctors told us we'd never have children. I had a diagnosis with cancer four years ago. And today we're completely healed, completely restored. We have three healthy children. Oh, Our son was born with two, uh, holes, two in holes in his heart, heart and he's completely, completely healed, healed now. So, so it's been a lot. It's been a lot in the last 15 years. We, you know, infertility issues, your miscarriage, and then we... We started having children just by yeah. the by the grace of God. It's a story of healing and hope, and so we want to be able to share that, right? And so, but in a fun way, in a fun way, it's not a heavy topic. It's not. A, I mean, it's heavy topics, but we do it in a humorous way. Like we share our stories that people said, you know, yeah. I'm laughing and then I'm crying, and that's what we wanted. We didn't want it to be a heavy topic right. because there's like, too much of that, right? For now. example, like with the cancer, right? Mm-hmm. I share how people treated me when they found out I had cancer. Right, it totally changes their perspective of me. Whether even like to even hug me, they're like a middle school dance, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah tap me on the shoulders. Yes, yeah. yes. So I just go through funny stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. We also wanted to create a podcast where it doesn't matter who's in the car; they can listen to it because there's so many podcasts where I can't listen to it with our kids in the car, or my parents in the car, grandparents, whatever. So that was the other reason for starting this. Well, Lisa, seriously, this was I feel oh like so much friends fun. Friends now, where are you? Oh, good. oh, Lisa, I would love to hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> I love hanging out with you. We're in Ohio, Columbus, Ohio. Oh, okay. Is that is Shaker Heights? Near- oh, that's near Cleveland. Oh, near Cleveland. Yes, that's a couple couple hours away. How do you know Shaker Heights? Um, because uh, Paul Landis, who was Jackie Kennedy's other Secret Service agent with Clint. He lives in Shaker Heights. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah, I, I forgot that it was near Cleveland. Um, yeah, it's a couple hours away from here, so we're central, central, right in in the middle of middle of Ohio. Okay. So, and we chose. I'm glad you chose 12:30 because our kids are in bed. <laughs> our our two year old is is <laughs> taking a nap right now. Yes. So this was perfect timing. Perfect timing to to do this. So yeah, we've got an eight, four, and two year old mm-hmm. right now. Oh my now. gosh. 
And they're all yes. home all the time. And we're all quarantined yes. and we're homeschooling and I'm potty training and we're doing a podcast. And, and we're not getting on each other's nerves at all. Not at all. all. Not at we, all. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's like a honeymoon. Again. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, here's another cool thing about Lisa and Clint Hill. Not only can you buy their books on Amazon, Simon & Schuster, Barnes & Noble, but you can also go to ClintHillSecretService.com and LisaMcCubbin.com and they will autograph, sign that book for you. So, Steph, I think we're, I know what I'm going to do as soon as we hang up here. I am going to requesting that Five Presidents book. Right. <laughs> and will you sign that as well? Will both yes. of you sign that? Okay. Yeah, okay. I signed all the books too with Clint. So yeah, on ClintHillSecretService.com, you can actually um, buy it right from the website. And then we actually pack up the books here, you know, and send them out. It's, we don't have a whole staff or anything. We're a really low key operation. Lean, lean operation over there in, yeah. in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> and then if more information about Lisa, you can also go to her website, lisamccubbin.com, or you can check her on Facebook, Instagram. She's on Twitter. She's on everything. <laughs> so Lisa, this was Phenomenal. phenomenal thank you so much for joining us thank you. And tell so us a good story both. i can't wait to read your book oh, oh thank, thank you. you thank you so much listeners if you like what you just saw like what you just heard please go to itunes go to youtube and subscribe rate review this podcast that's the only way we'll be able to continue to produce this where else can they go stephanie they can go to kevinandsteph.com that's all i know though. so is that it you crushed it Thank you, listeners.